Got a round of applause this morning. We had over 35 volunteers, and uh, my wife, Autumn Gwen, who's uh, the director over our children's ministries, so appreciative, so many that were willing to come out and to help. Again, 35 volunteers. We had over 60 uh, kids registered, and about 60 kids showed up about each day on average, and uh, they raised over, or close to about $800 was raised for missions last week uh, for Name a Village, and uh, Ashley Berlin was able to come in partway through the week, and uh, Bailey and Brinley were able to uh, share part of the week, and so it was, it was a neat, uh, a great week, a neat week to see God working uh, in this concept of God is monumental in our lives. He's huge, he's big, he's great, he is awesome, and uh, he's in control, he's in charge, and so a lot of good things this past week, uh, and uh, you see some flowers on stage, again, just continue to lift up the Stewart family, uh, that service for Rhonda was Monday, and again, thank you so many people that helped uh, set up decorations for VBS, take some stuff down, move some stuff around, tables, chairs. We had a, a service on Monday for Rhonda as well as a uh, reception, and then everything got rolling again for VBS. So it was a busy week, a good week, uh, praising God for all the good things that he's doing in our lives. Happy Father's Day. Welcome. All you, all you individuals that came out on Father's Day, thank you for being here. All you uh, gentlemen that are fathers this morning, you dads, happy Father's Day. I do want to mention, I'll mention again, there's uh, some sugar daddies out on the table that would love all you gentlemen to grab on your way out. We also have uh, some men who walk with God. God light the way, and you can take one or both or none or one of each, you know, that sort of thing, one or the other or, or both, whatever you'd like. I, I will say real quickly, I did think these were going to be bigger than this. So, uh, uh, you know, the world we live in, the cost of everything going up, you know, they shrink everything and everything stays the same cost, but then they shrink everything. So, uh, but I, this is a good size for us gentlemen. We don't want to go too overboard there. So, happy Father's Day. Welcome this morning. If you're visiting from out of town, thanks for being here. If uh, you have moved from, from out of town and are now in town, we want to welcome you this morning as well. I read a, of a small boy that said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day. Only you don't spend as much on the gift, right? And, and I don't know if that's true in your house or not. I'm okay with that. I'm not, gift giving is not one of my spiritual or one of my love languages, uh, rather. And there's a, there's a joke also of a young father-to-be, a young father-to-be, and he, he's expecting his first child. And he was pacing back and forth, and he's kind of wringing his hands in the hospital corridor while his wife was in labor. He was tied up in, in knots with fear and anxiety and, and beads of perspiration dropping from his brow revealed the agony of his suffering. And finally, at 4 a.m., a nurse popped out of a door and said, well, sir, you have a little girl. He dropped his hands and became limp and, and said, Oh, how I thank God it's a girl. She'll never have to go through the awful agony I've had to go through tonight, right? It, it's hard being a dad, right? It's, so, it's difficult and, and in honor of of God and in honor of our fathers, may we hear the voice of our Heavenly Father this morning from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 10 through 13. 
And before we get there, will you pray with me? Father, this morning, again, we humble ourselves before you. You are our Heavenly Father that deserves our honor and glory and praise. And we thank you for weeks like Vacation Bible School and all the hard effort that went into planning and, and uh, having that take place, all the volunteers. And God, we're grateful for what you do in our lives. May today your Holy Spirit that is here with us convict and challenge and change and mold us and make us into who you desire for us to be. God, we thank you for being our one true heavenly father, the one true God. May we, again, may our lives be a representation of how thankful we are. And it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. If you are able and willing this morning, will you stand with me as we turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2? If you have your scriptures with you, I'd encourage you to turn there. Uh, you most likely can follow along on the screen as well. Chapter 2, starting in verse 10, says, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. You may be seated. And as we read these verses this morning, these verses really apply to all of us here this morning. But I, I really want the men in this room to really listen closely. Men, you have such a large responsibility to those girls and especially the boys that are growing up all around you. You have a great responsibility, and, and maybe you've heard this before. I think I, I don't know how long ago I heard this, but I think this is like from 14 years ago. But just recently, uh, I read an article, the former president of the National Fatherhood Initiative, Wade Horn, wrote an interesting article for Fatherhood Magazine. Kruger National Park in South Africa had a serious elephant population problem. The once endangered species was recovering to the point that the park could not supply its herds or support the herds. They worked with another wildlife refugee, excuse me, refuge, Pillensburg National Park, to relocate a good number of elephants. A problem arose when the harnesses for airlifting the pachyderms would only accommodate the females and the young. The supersized bull male elephants were simply too big for the harnesses. They her the herd was relocated, leaving the father elephants behind. And something peculiar happened to the young males. These young male elephants in their new home, without their father's presence, they began displaying very un-elephant-like behavior, terrorizing the other animals, even goring rhinos to death. And, and you can go on YouTube and you can look up elephants that need their dads. 
and there's videos, I think it was a 60 Minutes uh, interview, and surprisingly, the calming influence of the female elephants had very little benefit to the young males. They needed role models to teach them how male elephants were supposed to act. Without those father figures in the herd, the hormonal young males let gang-like relationships rule the community. Wade Horn goes on to say, in the Homo sapiens world, we see a similar trend. Fatherlessness is rampant. Where fathers are absent, problems abound. Fatherhood.org lists very troubling statistics. Nearly 24% of children in the U.S. grow up in a fatherless home. Children without a father in the home are more likely to abuse drugs or alcohol, more likely to face abuse or neglect, more likely to have behavioral and mental problems, and four times more likely to live in poverty. So what makes a father so important? Is it more than bringing home the bacon? What is it about that male figure that battles abuse, behavioral problems, and poverty? Well, the 24-7 Dad Fatherhood Program indicates that fathers support growth and development of children in innumerable ways. Fathers demonstrate how to be caring and compassionate people who treat themselves, others, and the environment with respect and dignity. There's no replacing a father in his family role. A father is a teacher and a friend. He provides discipline with love. He is the superhero that every child looks to as they grow. We need them to lead out in the most important ways. Fathers teach their sons to be gentlemen. They model how men should treat women, which is vitally important to wives and daughters. They show what a good man acts like in his community and how to be a spiritual leader in their home and church. See, men, do you see how important you are? Which is why I want each of us to, to live out these verses from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, 10 through 13. If you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to write down characteristics of a good father. From verse 10, again, we read, You are witnesses, and so is God, of how holy and righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. And here in verse 10, it speaks of how these should be visible to the people around us and to our God. And the first thing listed there is this idea of being holy. This concept of, of being holy is this idea of to be set apart for service. One of the factors Steve Parr ref references in his book, Why They Stay, is whether or not children saw their parents engaged in meaningful service in the church. Not just being a pew sitter, but being involved in service in this church. Not just showing up, but again, serving. 
And I love watching so many of the men in our church serving. And I watch your sons and watch you serving together. In fact, I saw it this past week at Vacation Bible School and at the funeral service Men that were willing to step up and serve and move tables and, and move different uh, decorations down and get the piano back on stage and keyboard and, and all the different things. Men that were willing to step up and help serve and their sons see them doing those things. And it lists this idea of being righteous there in verse 10, which is a right standing before God. It doesn't have this idea of being self-righteous but a man's righteousness a little bit what bradley talked about today doesn't come from himself but it comes from god second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 says god made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus' sacrifice makes a way for us to be righteous before God. See, our moral compass should come from God. And here in this time, here in Thessalonica, there was morality issues. There was problems with morality there in Thessalonica. And that's why Paul is writing to these Thessalonians because they were dealing with pagan rituals and there's confusion on how to act and and he's challenging them. We as fathers have a high moral standard to live by because our calling is from God. He goes on there in verse 10, and blameless. Again, blameless doesn't mean that you're free from sin. Okay, because scripture says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. It has more to do with having a right reputation before others. It deals with honesty and fairness and integrity. And that word integrity has stuck with me in, in my growing up years into my adulthood. Being who you say you are when no one is looking. We aren't going to be perfect as fathers. We aren't going to be perfect as men or women, but we are to do our best to set the example. We're to work hard in demonstrating love to all. Which brings us to verse 11 and 12. You're taking notes. What a good father does. What a good father does from verses 11 and 12 says, For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children, encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. The New Living Translation says it this way, and you know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We pleaded with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy for he called you to share in his kingdom and glory I like how the English standard version says it It says for you know how like a father with his children we exhorted each one of you 
and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And the first phrase that I want you to highlight in, the, in this verse is each one of you. The ESV does a good job capturing the second person singular of this because here Paul isn't talking to a group. He's talking to individuals. He says, we exhorted each one of you and we encouraged each one of you and we charged each one of you. And while these words are very similar in the English, it's kind of neat to see the different shades of meaning that come from the Greek when you break it down. And the first two are parakaleo and paramitheo. Each start with the prefix para, which means alongside or parallel. Or a paralegal, that's where we get those words. So they both deal with coming alongside someone else and then doing something. And that's the di- where the difference comes between these two words. This word exhort in our English is parakaleo. And again, kaleo is a verb meaning to call. So parakaleo is one called alongside. A teacher was a parakaleo, which involves instruction and insight exhort men do you realize how important it is for us to come alongside and teach it's so important my my dad was a high school math teacher and if you ever hang out with my dad you'll find uh, kind of this concept of it doesn't ever go away he's still a teacher and my my kids it's funny because my kids they kind of make fun of my hopefully this is this is only first service, okay, yeah, uh, we're, we're not live streaming here, but my kids will, you know, they'll kind of say, Grandpa, he, he's always like he's teaching, and yet I've, gr- I've gained so much, and I continue to gain from my dad because he's always wanting to teach, and, and sometimes it, it's kind of, uh, it's like the way he's talking, but it's something that sticks with you. You see, we have to be willing to give those around us instruction, whether they want to hear it sometimes or not and so you have this exhort and then you have encourage paramatheomai which involves a sympathy and a concern the niv when i read that it used the word comfort see this word is more rare in the new testament para like we've already discussed has to do with coming alongside but then you see this word Mythos, mythos come in there, which is, which is this idea of story. So you have paramatheomai, literally meaning coming alongside someone else's story. Coming along someone else's story. And I just want to challenge us men, fathers, we have such an important role of coming alongside and, and caring about what is going on in the lives of the people around us, our spouses, our kids, other people's kids. Maybe you're an uncle. Wherever you have influence, you come alongside and you have care. It's a whole different kind of impact when a man shows concern compared to when a woman shows concern. Both are vital, but there's just a difference. 
There's different roles and responsibilities. And when a man that doesn't oftentimes show concern comes alongside someone and cares about what's going on in their lives, it makes a different impact in the individual. We have to be willing to take the time to show people that we sympathize with them, even if it doesn't always come naturally. And the third word there in verse uh, 12 in the NIV is urging. In the ESV, again, is charge. And this is the word martyrumai, which appeals to character and witness. And so you see the word martyr here simply means a witness. And so the word charge in this context means to remind someone of their witness, who they are, how they're to live. In Christian parenting, this is what is known as the come to Jesus talk, okay? The the come to Jesus talk. It's when you remind your children that who they are and whose they are should make a difference in their lives and how they're living. Even in non-Christian households, there might be a conversation that goes along the lines of, well, you're a smith, and smith men don't do this, whatever the this is. Now, there are going to be times when you instruct your kids, parakaleo. There are going to be other times when you comfort and listen to them, paramethio, and you come alongside their stories. And there are going to be times when you need to have the come-to-Jesus talk with them, the martyrumai. No matter who you are talking to, though, you have to be willing to move back and forth between these different conversations with people. And so you have characteristics of a good father in these verses. You have what a good father does. And the third thing that I want us to see is what the heavenly father does. Verses 12 and 13. Encouraging, comforting, and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. Verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you receive the word of God which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as it actually is. The word of God, which is at work in you who believe. This is what the Heavenly Father does in our lives. He calls you into his kingdom and his glory. And men, job one for us as dads is to proclaim the gospel to our sons and daughters. We want them to hear the voice of God calling to them through our lives. See, winning is when you can look at your children and say, you received the word of God which you heard from me, which you saw lived out in me. You watched me love the church, and it made you love the church. You saw me live it right, live in right standing which, with God and, and in right reputation with men. And as a result, you accepted the gospel not as the word of men, 
but as what it really is, the Word of God. And guys, I I read a quote that went like this. I want to tell you that what scares me most as a dad isn't that I will fail, but that I will succeed at the things that don't really matter. And that just kind of stuck with me. I want to tell you that what scares me the most as a dad isn't that I will fail, but that I will succeed at things that don't really matter. I read a story from a preacher named James that went like this. When Trish was pregnant with Caleb, we were working at a church that had an open gym night for kids in the community to come and play basketball. And there was one kid who showed up every Thursday night to play ball. But I couldn't have gotten him to a Bible study for anything. James went on to say, One time between games, we had a conversation about our upcoming child being born. And this kid asked me if I wanted a boy or a girl. I told him I would love to have a son, but I was a little afraid of that because I wasn't an athlete, and I knew I wouldn't be able to teach him how to play basketball or baseball or shoot free free throws or anything like that. And this kid, who I'd never heard say anything serious in all the time I knew him, looked at me and said, Dude, just spend time with him. My dad is the best athlete I know, and I haven't learned anything from him. As we wrap things up this morning, men, spend time with your children. Teach them to throw a baseball or do a pick and roll in basketball. Show your sons how to treat a young lady. Show your daughters what to expect from a man. Take them hunting, fishing, camping, Spend time leaning over an engine block with them. But hear me on this. If we are not working to instill the gospel in our kids, then it really doesn't matter how well their cars run. It really doesn't matter how well they can clean a fish or bait a hook or throw a baseball. If you aren't pouring the gospel into your kids, then all those Sunday mornings you spent in the breakfast area at the hotel because you were doing traveling ball don't really matter. But if you're pouring the gospel into your kids, then every other area where you feel maybe that you fall short, it really doesn't matter either. A gal named Nell Hassel said this, If the definition of a man's man is gets along with and is admired by other men and enjoys men's activities such as fishing, hunting, camping, etc., then my daddy was not a man's man at all. He worked a full-time job, a part-time job, and an all-night Saturday job, yet never missed teaching his Sunday school class of teenage boys. Only in his retirement did he really soften. But I never doubted my daddy's love. I never saw my daddy leave the house 
or return without hugging and kissing my mother. I knew I wanted a husband like him. Men, that's how to dad. And for those of you who dad well, I want to say thank you and to keep it up. And as the praise team comes, in Pillensburg National Park, park officials made the wise decision to get a supersized harness and relocate the father elephants with their herd. In a matter of weeks, the young were reformed, balance was restored in the herd and the park. The fathers provided the guidance the young needed to become what they were meant to be. And in a world where problems envelop cities and countries, we need to take a page from the Pillensburg pachyderms. I want to encourage you fathers to take your place as the spiritual leaders in your homes and be godly leaders in the community. And by doing so, you will strengthen your families and provide security for children and model what a real-life hero should be. And so if you're a man here that is struggling with being the man that God has called you to be because you've never truly surrendered your life over to God, then I would challenge you to do that today. And if you're a woman here, that is struggling to be the woman that God has called you to be because you have never surrendered your life completely and truly over to God, then I would challenge you to do that today as well. If you need someone to pray with you, if you need someone to talk with you, to study with you about what it means to give your life to Jesus, we'd encourage you to come this morning. If you have a decision to make, will you come as we sing our song of invitation? Will you stand with us this morning?